Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along. Check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who knows how Prince George feels at the moment. It's Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Hello, my finest of friends. Welcome to uh, Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Uh, I was talking to the people from the Heaven's Gate uh, cult. Remember those? Remember those guys from 1997? Uh, they thought they were going to get on board a comet that was a spacecraft and go to another galaxy. In, uh, they, that did happen, apparently. So they, they're on another galaxy. Uh, they got out just in time, uh, and they call it Ralastapa. So I don't know if that's going to catch on. Uh, okay. <laughs> thought they were quite cool. They all, wore, they all wore Nikes when they killed them. I guess it's a little... You're right, it's a little bit dark. It's, it was a dark start to... You just don't remember Heaven's Gate, do you? You don't remember the Heaven's Gate cult? It was the biggest mass suicide in America. Come on, what's... No? Okay. Guess. Guess I don't understand comedy. Uh, so, I don't understand what's appropriate for comedy. Hey, look, uh, talking of things that are inappropriate for comedy, my new book, Can I Have My Ball Back, is out now, if you're listening to the podcast. Uh, so go and buy it. And it's also going to come out in... I've just found out today in the United States and Canada in January. So you can go to... If you're in um, Canada or America, which none of you in the audience are, 
Uh, so don't get excited. Uh, but you could go to Canada and America and, and pre-order it on Amazon or whatever other sites you have there. So that's very exciting. Uh, it's, it's, it's quite good. So do, do go. If you, and my favourite fact uh, from it is that in a lifetime, a normal human man will produce half a bathtub full of sperm. So it's, 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 it's a disappointingly small amount, isn't it? Oh, that's the thing. It feels like it's more than that, doesn't it? That guy saying no. I've done more than that. It's just on my own. Um, we could get a friend and fill up the bath. That's what I said. Um, yeah, look, I was... Uh, I don't know if you uh, remember, if you're listening at home, it was a couple of weeks ago, if you're listening at home, uh, that uh, Prince George, the uh, heir to the throne, second in line to the throne, I believe he is, uh, was uh, got in the news because he cheekily, according to the newspapers, told his classmates to watch out because his father will be king one day. So they weren't, uh, they weren't to take the piss out of him. So he's using that as a threat. But I understand what he was going through because my dad was my headmaster at my school. So it's a very similar... Uh, I knew it would be like suicide to use that as a threat, uh, that if I went around expecting preferential treatment, I'd have been kicked all around the playground like a tough piñata that had fallen from the ceiling but is still refusing to spill its sweet guts onto the floor. Uh, but then again, I didn't have a load of bodyguards protecting me everywhere I went to school. So, uh, But I did one day, I cracked... Uh, during a PE lesson, um, and uh, so I understand Prince George. One of the sixth form boys was uh, taking the class. He put in pinch. I don't know why. Uh, probably because the actual PE teacher uh, was off having sex on a mattress with one of the girls from the sixth form. Uh, that that was certainly the rumour at the time, and someone did find a mattress in the woods. Uh, it might sound unlikely, but he did end up marrying one of the sixth form girls once she'd left school. So, I think our school, the King's Wessex Cheddar, is now an academy. Uh, it's moved on. Had about four teachers who ended up marrying their pupils and at least one who fucked a current pupil and then got sacked. Uh, but it was Somerset in the 1980s. It was a different time. What's the point of being a teacher if you can't fuck and or marry, marry your students? That's what I say. Anyway, the guy, the guy taking us our PE lesson was called Johnny Alford, I think. Uh, but maybe it was. I might have got that wrong. Uh, he obviously aspired to be a PE teacher. And who wouldn't with all the minge benefits you get? No, no. Looked at that mattress in the woods. He was quite a tough lad and he took a dislike to me. Um, uh, I'd like to say it's because my dad was my headmaster, but it might have been just because I was a dick, uh, the kind of dick who would attempt to name and shame someone on a podcast in 40 years' time, even though they weren't quite sure they got the right name. Uh, <laughs> and for whatever reason, uh, probably because uh, my dad, uh, probably, probably my dad, though no one ever else did anything like this, he started kicking me round the field like I was the aforementioned piñata. I, I cracked and said if he didn't stop, I'd tell my dad on him. Uh, uh, I might as well, he was already kicking me. Uh, I felt bad the minute I'd said it, and I think he might have stopped kicking me just out of the disappointment that I'd said it. Uh, it was wrong and stupid, but I was provoked. Uh, I still feel the shame. Um, what's confusing about George is that he didn't seem to realise that he is going to be king one day, so he could, he could have gone straight to that. <laughs> Or, or maybe uh, he thinks it will be too long to wait for the revenge. That's not, you know, I'll be king one day. Well, I'll be about 40 by then. I'm not scared of you now. Uh, but uh, the headmastership of our school uh, slash teacher-wife pickup joint was, uh, <laughs> was not hereditary, so I was unlikely to rise to the top, so I couldn't use that. Johnny Alford, I, I Googled it, is actually uh, the name of the actor who was honey-trapped into having some cocaine by a tabloid and was sacked from London's burning, so... It's possible that my bully had the same name, but I think I've just... Sorry, I've just added to your troubles, haven't I, Johnny Alford? It wasn't fair they did what they did to that actor. 
And I've just, <laughs> I've just made it worse by making him look like my school bully, which he wasn't. <sighs> anyway, that's my story from this week. Uh, that's my story. There's a bit of stand-up for you for this week. We'll, we'll save up the rest for next time. Um, buy the book. Buy my book. It's available now. All right. My guest this week is probably best known uh, for playing Glinda in The Wiz in a th- student theatre company. Uh, she was also, who could forget her as Janice in The Thick of It? No one could forget that. That's the main, when we think of The Thick of It, Janice is the first character we think of. Will you please welcome Sarah Pascoe, ladies and gentlemen. It's Janice. It's Janice. It's Janice. From, Janice from The Thick of It. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. So the Heaven's Gate cult, yeah. the thing with the Nikes yeah. was that Nike stopped making that brand right. because they decided they were the perfect trainers to wear for a mass suicide. Yeah. And Nike thought that's not great advertising. <laughs> so they took them off the market. So they've never been made again. Yeah. But you can buy them on eBay. It's 99 pairs they sold, though, for that. So they, you know, they, they should open up. Did you listen to me do the bit in the front and, and how it went down, and then thought, "I'm going to do some more on Heaven's Gate. See if we can. Let's see if we can turn this it's round." It's so annoying, when, especially when, for a living, you get to talk, yeah. being behind, going, "I know something about this," and then thinking, "I'm going to have to bring it up in ten minutes." Yeah, it was good. I'm glad. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, well, I, 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 tried... have, I have proved it's a real thing to the people who are like, "What is he talking it about?" It is real. It's worth looking into if you haven't seen it. It might, it might be, you know, you can't mock other people's religious views and it, they might have gone to heaven. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know on a Richard, spacecraft. Richard, we probably won't find out. We won't, well, we might do if we get on the, the next time the Haley Bop comet comes around. So <laughs> we know a lot about this and no one else does, Sarah. So let's move on. <laughs> How was it being in the thick of it? I don't think I've ever talked to you about your part in the It thick was of amazing. It. Are yeah. you sure we haven't talked about it? I don't it? know, but have we? I mean, we've been, okay, been here so many times. The thick of it, I mean, everyone pretty much everyone would have seen it and admire it as yeah. a work of comedy. I was the same. And um, the audition was for... Um, it was a very, very small part, a journalist interviewing someone. Sorry. I'm Am I boring trying, you, Richard? I'm just trying to turn my phone off because it was making a noise. You asked me I the question. The wrong, I pressed the wrong button this and it made like, a bigger noise. This is like... <laughs> Sorry, there we go. It's done. <laughs> this is a weird technique you've got. <laughs> If you do this to your guests, to make them, I've got to be more interesting. Uh, I've got to name drop some celebrities. Um, Richard Bacon was yeah. there. Was he? Yeah. Wow. I, I, yeah. So the, the audition is everything you'd want in that you didn't have to learn lines. It was an improvised audition. Yeah. And so for the audition, they gave me um, these sort of... They, they weren't from the thick of it. They were from a different TV show. It was like a cartoon storyboard. And they said, you're rebranding the Tory party, go. Right. And that was the audition, is that you had to sort <clears> of go through and legitimise what was in these pictures... And then you left. Yeah. And then they said, oh, we liked her. We're going to change another part from male to female, which is Richard Bacon's producer at um, Five Live. And it was an amazing episode to be in because every single character was in it. Because um, uh, Peter Mannion was the character named and Rebecca Front's character, who uh, I've forgotten. But anyway, they were both meeting each other in a radio studio, which meant that everyone was there. And how they write the script is they keep rewriting it after workshops. So you get to go in and improvise with Peter Capaldi. Wow. And they kept telling me, because his character kept having a go at mine, they kept saying, Sarah, stop smiling. (laughs) (laughs) I was having the best day. He he was just telling me I was a prick. (laughs) It it was brilliant, so brilliant. And Armando does all of the things that you would want from a director. Like, notes get passed in his handwriting. And sometimes, to me, I was having to 
man like this computer that was a phone in on a radio station and I was getting notes to say what the next caller was and everyone was having to react to it and similarly Rebecca Front got a note which was to tell her to start talking about clitoral piercings <laughs> <laughs> and, and, it was, and so we were just having like an amazing time wow so you I feel did, very lucky to have done it because you did a Jamie Adams film as well I noticed which is a, he's a, I've done a couple of his things and that, that's fully imp- and a fully improvised film yeah so yeah that's your how was that working with Jamie? His Noah Manda Manucci. <laughs> <laughs> He's, uh, you know, it's, have you seen it? I haven't seen that one. No, you? no, I didn't watch it. The trouble is, okay, if we're... Richard says to you before you do the podcast, if there's anything you want taken out, we can. I don't okay. necessarily need this taken out. Yeah. The thing with getting people to improvise is sometimes the stuff they come out with would now get them cancelled, okay? <laughs> so you can't help it. Your brain, you're like... I'm not talking about myself, by the way. I'm free, I'm doing this. And so what can happen is you're in a scene with someone who starts talking about stuff where you think, well, this isn't in character, this isn't funny. Yeah. And you're having to react in character and then trust someone else in an edit's going to take it out, which wouldn't happen <laughs> if you're given a script for a film. Yeah. If you're given a script for a film and you read it and it was all jokes about gay people, you'd go, I don't want to be in your film. Yes, OK. But suddenly you might find yourself in an improvised film being in that film. <laughs> <laughs> having to react in character, or you're the bad actor. You see? So, yeah. that's, so that was my problem. I did not feel very safe with okay. the Jamie Adams film, yeah. but yeah. I admire the ambition. Yeah. Is that diplomatic? Yeah, that's very good. <laughs> We've actually, we, uh, we financed through this podcast one of his films that's coming out uh, next year. So oh, we're, the we're gay big, jokes. We're big, we're big, <laughs> but, he's, but I was in it, and, he, and I ended up being topless all the way through the film, more or less which, you know, is, not, is worse for the viewers than me. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he made us sing. So I'm, I'd be, I'm very interested to see what will end up being yeah. in it. Absolutely. Did you feel was... safe yes. when you were being told to take your top off and stuff? Uh, yeah, I was all right about it, yeah. <laughs> you don't, just so you know, you don't seem all right about uh, it. <laughs> it was a bit cold. Some of it, was, it was January and it was outside. In Wales, was it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, but I had to lick Russell Tovey, who you know oh, from yes. student days, on the back of his neck. Okay, that was was nice. He tasted tasted a very expensive... uh, It's very clean, isn't it? Yeah, very clean and very expensive, uh, you know, perfume. Oh. Yeah, it was nice. I enjoyed it. It's probably aftershave. Uh, Yeah, it was aftershave. (laughs) That's for Russell (laughs) Tobin's reputation. (laughs) I couldn't think of the word aftershave. I haven't had any sleep today. Why? Uh, Today? I just just woke up in the middle of the night. For the first time in weeks, my son didn't wake up in the middle of the night and come and get into bed with us. And uh, but I woke up anyway, and then couldn't get back to sleep. So I am going to be off my face, Does especially your... next week, next week's show. Wait till next week's show. <laughs> uh, but um, so yeah, that's why phones are going off. You mentioned backstage that you snore. Yeah. Does your snoring wake you up? I think it does sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And it's only when like I've got to put on a bit of weight again, and when I put on a bit of weight, I snore, and also my back starts to hurt when I put on a bit of weight. It's a it's a good reason to lose weight, but I don't seem to be doing it at the moment. So I can only sleep at one angle. And, and then if I snore at the angle, it, w- it does wake me up. It's well. a vicious cycle because yeah. sleep deprivation makes you more likely to put on weight. It does because I, yeah, I, I've just been uh, mainlining sugar all day to try and get this far. <laughs> <sighs> people don't want to know how. The people don't want to know my problems. People feel really sorry for you. They You've do. been abused <laughs> by the film industry. <laughs> <laughs> and now here you are, pretending it's because of your little boy that you can't sleep at night rather than <laughs> Wales in January. <laughs> I got I got sort of sucked into a jacuzzi with a lid down. I was sort of underneath the jacuzzi. It was like a hot tub. Right. It was like a, it was a hot tub on one side, and then it was a sw- you know those swimming pools that 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 have a wave machine in them, so you mm. can swim, but they're quite short. But oh. I got sucked under that, and that was part of the. It turned into an improvised scene. We weren't planning on doing it, and I was under thinking, 
I wonder if they'll get, come and get me out if I'm drowning, <laughs> or whether they'll just say that's that's part of the film. They'll just film we'll, it. Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go. I, I, it's an interesting way of working. I I think I would like to do. Jamie's a bit more of a, a sort of artsy independent filmmaker and they're funny films uh, yes. a lot of them and also what you should say is actually it's incredibly hard to make a film to get funding to make a film so, so people who do just go let's just make it for no money no one gets paid yeah let's make it and produce it is really admirable it is yeah but i i'd be really interested to do like have full-on comedians do that to put a film together like that and make it a full-on comedy right. i think that's a really way interesting way of working yeah and then maybe again with people that you trust to Maybe, but stand-up comedy <laughs> is so different to improvising comedy. Yeah. And people, when they they identify as funny, having to come up with it on the spot. I mean, you've seen set lists and shows that try and do it. It's very hit and miss. It is. Some comics are really good at it. I would, I'd, I'd get those ones in it. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, well, well, then I can't see a problem with yeah. your project. <laughs> great. Um, Look, there's, it's 2019 you were last here. It feels like a lot has happened since you were last yeah, here. Yeah, I didn't realise it was that long ago. Yeah, it is. It, it doesn't feel that long ago, but we've had, uh, we've had a pandemic. Yep. And you have got married and had a baby. Unrelated, yep. <laughs> <laughs> to the pandemic. So that's, right? yeah. quite, that's quite a lot to, to happen in the three years. Yeah, how, lots how is, of life, yeah. How was that? How, how was the pandemic for you? You were in Finland, weren't you, when the when pandemic it all, Yeah, hit? Father Christmas gave me COVID. That's <laughs> right. what happened. I, we yeah, were filming a documentary, went to see Father Christmas. Um, then Finland said, you have to get out. Um, we're going to close the country because there's a, a pandemic going on. And because we'd been in Finland for two weeks... We were like, what is this? This is such an overreaction. This is ridiculous. And then we got back to Heathrow and there was no toilet paper in the country. <laughs> and it was like, what, what, what have we missed? <laughs> yeah. You missed a lot of people. Someone, I mm. saw someone on Twitter this week saying they'd just got through their supply of toilet roll from, uh, from early 2020. <laughs> so people, that's how much toilet roll people bought. And they said that publicly, yeah. not worried about judgments. <laughs> I think they were excited that they bought that. I mean, I don't know how many toilet rolls. That, how many toilet rolls do you think you would get through as an individual per week? Do you get through one a week? Too much. I think I'm too generous with the loo roll. Yeah, I like using a bit. Uh, you know when you have an inner parent saying to you, you, that, you didn't need to use that much. <laughs> I reckon a roll a day. How did you get through? <laughs> Just a roll, roll a day. day. That's yeah. pretty good. How did Just you get make through sure it's clean. early lockdown with no... You had no toilet roll in early lockdown. What did you use instead? We did have some toilet roll. Oh, okay, well, I think we went to a local newsagent and it had a kind of toilet roll I didn't know existed, right. which was lemon flavour. Oh, wow. And it was quite expensive. They had jacked up the price. It was three <laughs> seventy nine for four rolls, but there was loads of it left. No one wanted lemon paper. And I was yeah. like, well, if you really wanted to wipe your bum, you'd get it, wouldn't you? Yeah, but also I'd be quite interested to get a, a lemony anus. <laughs> Did you have well, a lemony anus? Maybe that could know? be the part of your improvised film. <laughs> <laughs> Go explore it. It'd be nice to be, wouldn't it? Have a little lemon. I mean, I suppose I could. I don't know how it. strong the lemon flavour was. I could just put a lemon up my anus, like a sort of chicken about to be cooked in there. If you if you ever do that, please don't say I gave you the idea. <laughs> <laughs> I want nothing to do with this. It's completely come from you, um, and. How is it? How's it been? How's being a mum? Has it changed? Every, I mean, because you're well, still working yes. really hard, and you were back to work very, very fast. Well, that was a terrible mistake. Right. And um, and I and I like lots of people, especially people who don't have children for a long time. I didn't really know what people were going through who do have children. And um, and my diary, because you know our work gets put in years in advance sometimes. Yeah. 
my, all involved a hypothetical child I hadn't had yet. And then I've had to now contractually do the work I agreed <laughs> yeah. to do. And, um, yeah, really horrible. <laughs> but really hard in that you'll never, be tr- not never, you'll never be truly happy ever again. That's how I feel. Uh, okay. uh, wherever I am, I should be somewhere else. Uh, I can never truly dedicate myself to work yeah. properly in the same way. Yeah. Um, Isn't that a good thing? I d- I, no, because I think... Th- I, did I tell you what? I was, I was talking to my therapist about it, and she was trying to say to me, because I was like, it's like you get to the... Well, it's so hard to get to the top of a mountain, and then it's like this big life change. I've had a baby, and it's like, the mountain is closed, go back <laughs> down. No more mountain for you. <laughs> Just soft play. <laughs> and lucky if you get to finish a cup of tea. And, and she was like, no, it's not like that. It's just like a very... It's just a much, much lower mountain. <laughs> And you're just going to go up it very gradually and it won't feel like progress. It's like, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. Well, it's a different mountain. Having a a child and being a parent is a different mountain. Yeah. You're still allowed to go back onto the other mountain. Yes, but every time you're on the mountain, you're not looking after your child. (laughs) And, you know, you go through all this trouble to have one. And also, you've been a child, so you know how important things like love and, and attention are. You can't just be like, no, it's fine, mummy's got to... Yes, you're here now. <laughs> One day you'll understand when you have your own mountain. <laughs> but you really wanted to have kids. I yes. know last time oh, we, yes. were, we were talking and backstage, I think, and mm. we were saying... How, how... Yeah, so I was infertile for years and years, and we did IVF, and my husband really, really wanted to have biological children. I think I would have chosen... I think because it would have been easier, actually. Not that it's easy, but easier than the going through the physical thing of IVF. He wanted to try and have biological children, do everything we can. So actually, that's where COVID made was very lucky for me because I had, you know, a year of work cancelled and a couple of phone calls. I was forty, or about to turn forty, and sort of had no excuse not to sort of really try. Yeah. And now we have a son. Yeah. So. Uh, and I know COVID wasn't a positive story for everyone, so, <laughs> so I'm not saying we should be glad. We shouldn't, but there, but there was a really fortunate thing for yeah. me. And it's yeah. you know, it's it's a plus in the lives, isn't it? We, there a lot of lives were lost, so that's plus one. <laughs> <laughs> so that takes off one of the. I just and I, the people who died were quite a lot of them were really old, so that is a new person. Oh, I really need to clarify for anyone listening. I am not saying if you've lost a loved one that my baby cancels them out. Not all of them, just one of them. It might not even be your loved one. It might be a different one. If you don't want to think of it as your loved one, you are supposedly a feminist, but all then, right. but then you. <laughs> But then you gave birth to a boy, I noticed. Yeah. So that is... Yeah. So. Well, and no, not just a boy, a white man. <laughs> <laughs> a little white man, just when you couldn't be less popular. And, um, I, I, of course, I'm really invested now. Yeah. Yeah, really invested in men, especially yeah. him. I want him to be king. I want him to have everything he wants ever. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. It, evolution has done such clever wiring to us, but you can see why so many of... You know, society's larger problems happen when you love the people you're related to so much more than other people. Yeah. And and then I do think that loving someone this much makes you capable of evil. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I talk in my show about, you know, the, um, the trolley problem. 
and the whole thing, you know, you're driving a train, there's someone on the tracks, and you, there's four people on the tracks, you can pull a lever and just kill one person, save three lives, da, da, da. And, you know, it's a very interesting debate about the value of life and what do you do if the four people are murderers, but the one person is a nurse, would you still pull the lever? And the minute I had my son, I was like, if it was my baby on the tracks and the whole of humanity <laughs> down the other one, it's just goodbye. <laughs> like, it, it becomes this really easy choice, which is quite terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know, maybe it's also because it's quite new, but all the time sort of making barters with the universe, like take my husband, <laughs> take, take my parents. <laughs> like, like if someone, if I need to be devastated, just not the baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, but that is, that's, better. I, mean, I think, you know, I, Motherhood is different than fatherhood in, in that sense. You still have it as a father, but I don't think it can ever be the, the same as having, so? as having a life grow inside you. Yeah. Uh, and it, well, it's, it's, again, it was my, my wife couldn't and still can't bear it if the kids are crying. She can't, she can't yeah. bear it for a second, and I can bear it for 10, 15 minutes before I go, <laughs> before I go all right, split up. Yeah. I, was, I was on Twitter, but now it's time for well, you to stop. Well, our baby still doesn't sleep, yeah. so he's seven months, and... Um, and I'm going away to work two days at a time in Leeds for sewing bee at the moment. Oh, bless you. And, um, uh, and so I had really hoped, because we haven't in any way... We have tried everything with sleep apart from letting him cry. And secretly, I hoped when I was away, he might do that and I'd come back to a sleeping baby. And he said to me the other day, I've been leaving him. When he first makes a noise, I've been leaving him. I was like, that's amazing. And he went, for 15 seconds before I go in. <laughs> so he's the same as me. We can't bear the, the sound of, like, where are you? Yeah, we, yeah. we did the leaving thing but all I did it because Katie couldn't yeah. bear it but it did work yeah. and it worked really quickly you'd that's leave, what you hear yeah yeah you do it for a, a small a, a, just an increasingly lengthy mm. amount of time each time yes but, it, abs- but it absolutely does work and it worked within a few days we're on 15 seconds right <laughs> <laughs> and I keep forgetting and going straight in and yeah. Steen will be like 15 seconds we're supposed to wait so it's too late <laughs> I'm, I'm holding the baby like oopsie <laughs> Well, you know, you you can get through it. It'll be fine. So you you are so you, you're back doing stand up. I mean, you're doing yeah. so much stuff, and you're doing so much TV yeah. stuff. So I wasn't sure whether you know you'd have time for stand up, but I, I know that you would see yourself primarily as a stand up. I do. Well, stand up is my happy place, and yeah. I don't know if you find this as well with the, you know life's ups and downs. It's a reset place. And I was reading a book about focus recently and um, I was really enjoying it and it was talking a lot about flow and I'd never realised before that when people talk about like artist state, like painting and reading, these things that give, take over your whole concentration and they're so enjoyable because of it. I never realised that's what stand-up is because yeah. you have to concentrate on what's happening. Bad gigs are the ones where you are in your head. You've got a sort of an inner monologue going on. And... Um, after I had the baby, I started I did my first gig back when he was five weeks old, and actually that was the place where I kept remembering who I was. Right. And I would go home full of dopamine, so ready to be a great parent. And it reminded me of the only time I've had it before is being heartbroken, where you're miserable all of the time apart from your gigs, which are just blisteringly good. <laughs> yes. And then the second you walk off stage, it hits you again and you're miserable. And that's what I was fine. Not that I'm miserable, but that I'm exhausted and very cloudy and very emotional. And also audiences because even if people haven't had children they do understand what a massive thing it is to make a baby and then be taking care of them i've been absolutely insane at some gigs and it's been fine (laughs) that people have completely understood and i've gone i've I've got a 13 week old baby and they're like absolutely go on then (laughs) ramble away forget the word for train (laughs) let let me but then that can be good that can be good creatively speaking as well to be to be so out of it yeah an altered state like with jet lag or sometimes you know being drunk or stoned there are certain states where your brain filters in a different way so yeah 
That's you're talking good. about your brain. I think that's quite an interesting thing you said about the vo- voice in your head while you're mm. performing, sort of heckling you from within, right? Yes, or commenting. Yeah. And um, you shouldn't ever hear that voice at a gig. No. Afterwards, you get off and you almost think, how was it? And there, that's how most gigs should be and yeah. are. Even tricky gigs, tricky gigs, even if the, their audience are silent, when you're focused and dealing with it, and then you walk off and then go, oh, gosh, that was quite hard work. But when it's happening at the same time, or you're waiting for something to happen, or, yeah, they're horrible, aren't they? It's really weird. I think, like, yeah. if you're doing a tour as well and you get, you'd get to know the show so well... I've, but I've had, but it's like a sort of demon, really. Mm. My 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 voice when it starts doing it says, "What if you forget how to breathe? Yeah. What if you forget how to talk?" Well, that's it. And, and it's so saying to me like halfway through a bit, will go, "How come you're still talking? <laughs> you're not even listening to you. What if you've already said this? Yeah. Should I ask them if I've already said this? <laughs> no, that would be crazy. Why would you ask them if you've already said this? You haven't listened to that bit. You're missing even more of the show now. It's horrible." Yeah, and then you start going, why did I choose this for a job? This is a weird job, isn't it, making everyone look at you? Don't mention it, because they'll think it's weird too, that you've made, you've made them pay to look at you. What a weird thing. What an arrogant woman you are. <laughs> it's very strange. It's yeah. a really... It is that sort of schizophrenia kind of thing coming in, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, it's the, the, I mean, I, I sort of always love with comedy that kind of connection. There's a connection with madness, and there's... And, I'm just reading Rich Hall's book because Rich Hall's going to be a guest in a few weeks. And, like, you know, when you're starting out, the, there's people who are genuinely just properly mad and there are people who can might be a little bit crazy mm. but can corral it. And, but there are people who just are, are never going to be successful because they're actually... Oh, I see what you mad, mean. ...properly mentally. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's, but it's actually quite difficult to tell the difference... At that early stage, I think you can tell the difference. Well, but, but you can do audiences can tell the difference. There's a bit where Rich Hall has a, a crazy person he meets early on who doesn't act, and then he and then Rich Hall appropriates one of the jokes from this guy, and it kind of really works. With oh, Rich Hall doing it. okay. Um, Rich yeah. Hall and I—I I haven't seen him since we went on Pointless together. I hope, really? If you want some celebrity gossip, yeah. Uh, me and Rich Hall went on Pointless, and and, and Richard had a running joke. Uh, Rich had a running joke that his um, charity that he was there on Pointless to make money for was an Elva sanctuary. So you know Elvas, baby eels. Oh yes, yeah. Okay. And he'd brought a picture. <laughs> of um, some eels in water, just that he printed off his computer. And um, if you know Rich Hall is a comic genius, it was such a funny bit that he did absolutely deadpan, as only yeah. he can. But, you know, when they were called Pointless, there's not really an audience. There's sort of 15 old people that have been coached in and they don't know who anyone is. They haven't heard of any... They actually just really like Pointless. They don't really care like whether you're a sports person or whether you present a show or whatever. So... He did this whole bit to absolute silence for the entire <laughs> for the entire program, and by the end of it, I was thinking, "Is he raising money for eels?" Because <laughs> like, I don't even know if they're endangered, and I was on his team, and I didn't know by the end. That's good. He's he's fantastic. He's a fantastic comedian, and his book is brilliant. I, bet I have it's to brilliant. say, it's really yeah. so. As as getting an idea, I mean, he's quite an out there. As a, he's a he's a sort he improvises in life in a way that I do. You find that easy in life when you. If something happens, you sort of go with the flow. Like, I think a lot of comedians... I mean, he really goes with the flow, yeah. which allows incredible stories to happen. 
Oh, I see. Whereas I, I quite, I shut things off quite quickly yeah. unless I'm really swept along by something. Do you, when you, what do you say, real life? What do you mean? Well, you know, like when you when something's happening, something's happening, if, and, if you, and you would yes and it, thinking, yeah. I wonder what's going to happen. Yeah. So, like, if you st- if there's something, if there's someone behaving in an erratic and crazy way, I'll probably go go away from them. But Rich Hall will stay and and drive them into the d- to desert to look for treasure. Oh, I see. So he's an adventurer, and I'm definitely yeah. not that. I'm uptight. Yeah. Yeah. But you still get some stories out of your life if you're uptight, though, right? So well, I, I do, I do, but I'm very jealous. I get very yeah. jealous, especially actually having done less stand-up over COVID and being pregnant, I got really, really jealous of people whose lives sounded so funny on stage. Just shaking my head backstage going, why didn't that happen to me? <laughs> oh, God. That, oh, the show I'd have written. Yeah. I, I mean, it would have been this exact stand-up, actually, yeah. that, I'd probably have, <laughs> that I probably would have said. Yeah. Uh, the funny life. Oh, yeah, adventurers. But I think you have to be wired that way. You can't force it. I once heard, and I won't say who the comic is, but um, they were saying about how they didn't have any stuff, so they went to Thorpe Park. And I thought, that's an empty life, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Taking yourself to a theme park for £17, hoping you get five minutes out of it. I don't want to yeah. live my life that way. <laughs> I don't want to be on a roller coaster going, I hope someone breaks their leg. <laughs> um, it, it feels like, uh, from reading interviews, that you've had a little bit of a sea change in your stand-up in the last few years, in that you are sort of embracing silliness on stage more than being too serious on stage. Is that true? I, think, I, think it, I don't think it was a conscious thing. I think what happens is what we find funny or interesting at the time is what we tend to write about. After I couldn't believe after... It must have been about 2017 or 2014, getting offered a book deal because of some stuff I was talking about on stage. Mm. And when I say, and it was such like science light light that I was, because obviously in stand-up you've got a couple of, you've got 20 seconds to describe it and 10 seconds for your punchline. You don't, you don't have a long time to describe things. That I then was researching so much for books and I couldn't believe I was getting permission to write books that there was a real heavy overlap, right. which now there isn't. Because since I wrote my second book, I really realised if I was going to read non-fiction or learn about things, it was, for me, I wasn't going to always try jokes out on stage, if that makes sense. And I did enjoy the lightness of it because the other thing I think I felt, and I don't know if you've felt this, was that, oh, people now come to see me, I have a responsibility to the world or (laughs) to be better or to say something useful and... um, I had a lot of guilt, actually. And with that and the books, I really felt like I was supposed to be doing creating some social positive change or at least not negativity and I think I have let that go a little bit I'm not I'm not now being awful <laughs> on purpose but I don't feel the same weight of like yeah, yeah. I, I think I had that and then I think I got to a point where I thought my main job though yes. is to make them go home having had yes. a, a good time yeah, where and they've laughed no- a lot exactly and uh, there's nothing wrong with that no. no one's going home going well I didn't learn <laughs> <laughs> I did not learn a thing or no I think sometimes you're not going home going well thanks for telling me what to think clown <laughs> yeah. like, like we are supposed to be making people feel great in yeah. whatever way we do that yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I do shows that were deliberately irritating, and then I started thinking, <laughs> you know, some of that could be. Now you're when you're a parent, especially, you go. This could be your one night out, like in six months. Yeah, having respect so you, for people's time. Yeah. So if they're coming to me and I'm just doing a very long routine that's meant to annoy them. Yeah. And it is annoying them. And if they're, if they're enjoying <laughs> it, then that's great. But if they, if they, <laughs> I just yeah. start to think, no, I've got to try and make those people have a nice time. So I think, you know, I think it is. You can do both. You yes. can be annoying and you can yeah. be educational and, you can, and funny. But... And you can play with it. Like, it's yeah. funny to be agitating as long as what the audience really know is you still aren't telling them what to think, Yeah, I, I think. Well, definitely for me. I think also it's kind of 
more fun to not be sure. You know, I think like it's more fun to watch someone who isn't sure, who like discusses yes. an idea from yeah. all the angles, and there isn't necessarily an answer. Yeah, but there's, there's enough. There's enough to think about. And to... also moments of connection. That's yeah. that's what it comes down to. Doesn't matter what where they come from or what they believe. If you agree about everything, you want moments of connection. That's why you've come out to do something live. Yeah. And so if you're not doing that because you're like, okay, point one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and live comedy is a completely different thing. And it, it's, and again, I guess, you know, the lockdown shows that, you know, you could still do comedy in lockdown. You can yeah. still do stuff online and it's interesting, but it's a very different experience than yeah. coming out to a thing. And there's a whole new dimension to comedy now. I mean, number one, because some people make all of their comedy on the internet and are far more successful than you and I will ever be. Yeah. <laughs> and also because it became accessible, people from other countries could watch live shows, people yeah. who don't want to leave the house for whatever reason, if they can't, if they're inhibited, they can now watch shows. So that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So tell us about the, so the, the tour yeah. is called Success Story. Yes. And so tell us what's the what's the well, it's a show of two halves. The first half is mainly celebrity gossip that won't get me, me cancelled. <laughs> um, it's a thin line, and um, and the second half, the reason I decided I wanted to do a show about success is because when I was doing IVF. Um, they talk about success rates all the time. And, um, and it was so weird to hear success talked about in that context. And when I had a miscarriage, it was referred to as an unsuccessful pregnancy, which I immediately, in that stand-up way, went, oh, there's something in that. And actually, <laughs> there isn't. Um, <laughs> the minute you say miscarriage, people then go, oh, gosh, yeah. you're, you're, what a sad thing for you. And I think, because I clearly am sad about it, they then aren't laughing at my joke about... <laughs> not getting into drama school. Um, so um, there wasn't a bit in it, but I thought there was when I titled the show. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the so the second half is about being a new parent, really. A yeah. new parent after being infertile and um, 
stuff like that. And the first half was about... So when I was 14, I decided I wanted to be on television. I auditioned for Barry Moore. And then... So this, and that's, so that's, and that essentially, then what happened was, many years later, um, I did get to be on television. And you asked me backstage if I ever thought I was Jesus. That's why. <laughs> because it's a kind of insanity to wish something, especially at a young age. And it's like those people, you know, on reality TV shows where they go, I've always wanted to be a singer. I've always known I was going to do this. When you have that and then it happens to you, it does make you feel insane. Yeah. Because it doesn't make any sense. You wish something into happening. Yeah, and I think that's... that's the, I mean, especially for comedians, because a lot of comedians, you know, have an inflated ego in some direction. And yeah. so if it does, if they do become successful, they yeah. believe it was always, it was destined and that they, yeah. this is fair and this is correct, rather than what is true is that they're probably talented enough for that to happen, but there's still an element of I don't know. roulette wheel. I, I think that we only solve this problem if we start interviewing people who didn't make it. Yeah. So, because, you know, in magazines and on programmes, it's always like, on Graham Norton, it's always people who have made it, talking about how I always wanted to do this thing. I think they should interview people who haven't. Yeah. Like in their 50s going, I don't think it's going to happen for me. <laughs> and I was absolutely sure I was going to be a teen pop sensation. <laughs> and, and like there's people in the evening standard, it's always just like some privileged person who went to an incredible drama school, did some shows at the Donmar, and now is in Hollywood going, oh, I just always knew. Yeah. And I want it to be someone who knew and it didn't happen. There, there's a lot of people like there are, you know. So but we used to interview them, hear from them. We'll, we'll get them on here. Yeah. <laughs> Will you? <laughs> I'll bring them on. Yeah. But then, you know, it is, it is, it's all like if you follow your dream but it's, it's the same as the Tories at the moment saying you know if you haven't got enough money uh, you either have to turn your energy off or get another job they can't they because their life has gone so yeah. well they can't envisage that people might not just be able to go oh yeah I'll just get a job that pays more money yeah. well, I should have thought of that I know it's obvious it's... isn't it I'll just apply for a better job and so if you if you all you see is people winning an Oscar going if you believe in your dreams mm. they'll come true they clearly won't, because only yeah. one person wins an Oscar every year, so there's only a certain number to give out. It's absurd, isn't it? I mean, that thing, the empathy failure with people who have been very fortunate and they can't imagine yeah. that it isn't other people's faults that they don't have what they have is so worrying. But, yeah, I did a charity gig the other day. Again, I won't name the comic. Um, I'll tell you backstage. Okay. And um, <laughs> one of the acts was really upset, and actually she was crying, and I thought it's because of the... Um, subject matter of the charity gig which was it was raising money for a sex workers organisation who, who give legal aid for the court cases for the women for what they have to fight against in terms of having their landlords try and kick them out or their kids taken off them so it's desperately serious and the money is so useful and um, they're called ECP by the way if you want to look them up and support someone amazing and an act was crying and the charity had spoken as they quite often do at charity gigs so I just assumed she was being a human being and actually, she was crying because she was the only person on the bill who hadn't had her own sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really warped, and it just like hit her backstage, where she was like, "I'm the only one. Like, what's wrong with me?" And it's like, yeah, if everyone around you's had a sitcom, you think that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> like, we all just get sitcoms. <laughs> but it is weird. But I think you know. But obviously, there are people. You know, no. I think it'd be very, it'd be a very unusual thing if everyone was doing exactly what they had hoped and what they were, what they had aimed yeah. for. So I suppose it depends what you were specifically aiming for. Yeah. But you know, you certainly look around and go, well, there's that person who was better than that person, and you know, and that person really inspired that person, and yet it's mm. the other person who's become really successful. Yes. So there's an element of timing and luck. Yes, and and, and yeah, discrepancy, unfairness. It isn't a meritocracy. No. It's slightly more meritocratic than other creative endeavors, but it's still. Yeah. yeah, there's but a you lot still of need the luck. Things. And so, like, yeah. you, you might have all had sitcoms, but then 
Do you get a second series? Exactly. Do people, you know, I think now the problem is there are so many. I mean, you, you're, you had a... Is there any more coming of your, no, your no, show? No, no, so no. So your show was great and interesting and different... And so then that happens, and then it's sort of, then it's, you know, it's there, yeah. and people see it, but then it's gone, yeah. and then the next thing comes But that's along. what's interesting about The Mountain, you know, yeah. because getting a sitcom was such a success, as in a personal success, it was yeah. such a goal, it was a thing to work towards. And then with things like when you don't get a second season, or you don't get high viewing figures, or, you know, you get messages from people going, that was boring. Yeah. <laughs> I should have watched I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, to quote one DM. Um, <laughs> it then feels like the opposite. And, and, that, and that's the odd thing about being creative. I say odd, it's not unhappy. It's just part of it. You put yourself into something. It feels like you're going to be punching it. You've got a book coming out. You know, it's about <laughs> yeah. to happen to you. Um, you. You get all these expectations, these dreams about what it could be like. Yeah. And then you have the reality. And then you have to keep reminding yourself, I'm making stuff. This is great. This is yeah. why I wanted to do this. And you can't win an Oscar every day. Even people who win Oscars, I bet you they have days where they're like, I hate this film. I feel bad in it. I'm I think unhappy. the guy at the last go won an Oscar punch someone in the face just before he won it. So I don't think his, don't think his life was all that happy before he had some issues. I mean, but that's it, isn't it? That's what. But I feel like with having a family, <clears throat> maybe it's a bit more when you know things. It's so hard that first couple of years is really really difficult, and it's. But it it sort of changes your perspective on what's important, and you know the, you're working for. You still work, but you're working. There's a point to your work in that you're trying yeah. to raise a family and earn some money for a yeah. family. I think that's very masculine. And I'm yeah. not saying that other women don't have it. I'm not talking on behalf of all women. I don't feel the pressure of, I'm doing this for my family now, yeah. but my husband does. Okay. He's put a lot more pressure on himself. Yeah. Because we inherit... So I haven't lived generations of women having to put food on the table, women being judged on their income, women are judged on a whole other yeah. <laughs> bunch of things... And, but men, unfortunately, being told that. So it's not enough to go, well, your wife's got loads of money. <laughs> Let's have a nice life. <laughs> like, because men, um, you know, get toxic messages as well about what their role is. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. But I guess, I don't know. I, I mean, I think, you, I think as you get older, uh, it just may be your sort of thing. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't, whatever happens with this book, it'd be lovely if something happens with it. And it mm. But if it doesn't, I'm really pleased with the book. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, and I've done the best I can with it, and that's, then it's out into the world and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and that's the key to the happiness. That's yeah. how you can do a job that we're so lucky to do and still be happy. Yeah. It is keeping those things in mind. It is, but yeah. it's impossible to completely no. leave it. So yeah. you will still have those moments. Absolutely. I haven't cried at a charity gig because <laughs> I haven't. But you wouldn't do it publicly. But... You might go home and moan <laughs> to your partner, but you wouldn't at the gig, to the, would you? And then admit it. You could just go, yeah, I'm crying because I can't bear the thought yeah. of what, all the things that's happening. No, she hadn't even listened to what the charity was about. She'd been too busy going, she's had a sitcom. Is that a sitcom? Um, <laughs> let's ask you some emergency questions. I've got some. Oh, is it an emergency some... now? No, I just thought, you know, we, we, yeah. we've got, we've got, we got all serious. Okay, sorry. It's all right. No, it's okay. We're, is, allowed, we're allowed. This There's is no... what happens with comedians on car drives. We start talking about you know, competitiveness and creativity. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's probably quite boring. <laughs> they can fast forward. Oh, you can't. <laughs> you can just have a, have a little... I just, if something's boring, I just have a little nap. It's like travelling into the future. <laughs> well, I don't have some... Bring some anaesthetic with you. It's really good. That was the best thing about my, my cancer, was that having anaesthetic to have it removed. I've, I've never enjoyed myself as much as... So were you asleep? Yeah, yeah. I was asleep. I had the chance, chance to be awake during mm. the operation, which I did not take. Yeah. <laughs> I did not want to see or smell or yeah. <laughs> any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I actually found the 
going under. I've never had... Have you had general anaesthetic before? Yeah, I've had it a couple of times. Yeah. And then... I'm trying to think what... I had something to do with fertility. I, I went to sleep. Oh, I had polyps removed from my uterus. Okay. Sexy story. And um, I... <laughs> it still bothers me, because as you're talking about it, you know that thing where you, it starts working? Yeah. And you're counting, and then you're sort of slightly high. <laughs> yeah. And then disappear. I was really enjoying talking to the anaesthetist. <laughs> and I was awake when I was still... I started talking shit. Right. And it was about Jason Manford, right? <laughs> so I was like, my friend, Jason Manford. And then I don't know what I told him. <laughs> I don't know what I told him about I Jason Manford. I just found it very reassuring. That it felt like sort of dying. And... But it was nice. It made me feel like dying's not that bad. If I did that, if I, if you haven't, if you don't come back, you're dead, right? So that's so they basically turn you off. Yeah. And you, there's nothing there. There's no soul going. Okay, what we're we gonna do? We might be dead. Yeah. So, and if the soul's not there when you're knocked out, then it can't be there when you're dead either. So there's no soul. Right. Okay. Because why would it suddenly appear when you're dead? It wouldn't appear when you if we'd be there going, ah, oh, oh, he's out. He's sort of dead. I'll, I'll hang around. No, I don't agree. Yeah, I, if do. there, if, I think a, if, if there is a soul, it knows the difference between medicine and death. It, <laughs> it does. How would it know? How, how did it know? Because yeah. it's been around it forever. It doesn't know. It does know. know about anesthetic. You're making your soul That's an new. absolute idiot. <laughs> His soul doesn't know Every about time anesthetic. you go to sleep, is he, like, is he dead again? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Anyway, it was, Have some respect for I think your soul. It, I think it's like what dying is, and it was nice. I think mind. you'd like heroin. Am I, <laughs> I think you should get into hard drugs. I've never, I've never tried that stuff, but I might. I would just like to have... I, they should let you take some anaesthetic home with you. I know it's, it was sort of a problem for Michael Jackson, but it, I think it would work. <laughs> yeah. Just take a little bit, and, just, and then also you travel in time. So you, you are talking about drugs, you yeah. know. That, like, <laughs> this is just why people take drugs. You get knocked out, but then they're, they're awake. You get knocked out, and then you wake up, and you're in the future. It's yes. Amazing. Yeah. You're describing. And like a, an yeah. hour's passed for the people around you, but it's like one second yeah. for you. That's time travel. <laughs> you are just describing drugs. Okay. That's why people take Imagine them. Imagine if something it's... really amazing happened in that hour. Like you got, we're, we're under during nine eleven. And then you were awake, and then you sleep, and then you woke up, and all the World Trade Center had fallen down. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Would make up for what happened. Oh, do you remember where you were when 9 11 happened? No, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny story. Let me ask you an emergency question. We might lose some of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> mind you, if the Heaven Gate stuff staying in, I mean, we might as well keep going. It was sort of a callback. Um, this is my question to you. Mm. If you could go into a chrysalis and dissolve like a caterpillar and then come out as anything you wanted to come out as, yeah. it doesn't have to be a butterfly, it can yeah. be, yeah. what would you emerge as? Um, well, I do have an answer to this. Okay, good. A, um, a snowman. <laughs> no, but it's not, it's not made of snow. and Because I, I, I experienced this in real life okay. and I think about it often. So I worked at the Millennium Dome. I've talked about this before. And um, at Christmas, we, so we did skin work for two of our allocated days, which is when you wear a character. Yeah. And, um, but we then had a snow um, sort of parade. So I was dressed as a snowman. Okay. And um, we had other characters we did, but none of them were like, known to the children. Children do know snowmen. And what happened was, when I was in character, 
Um, and this is what I thought success would be like, and it isn't. But what happened was I would come out of the changing room, and, you know, I'm a snowman, I'm big and fluffy and white, and people turned to me and their faces changed and they smiled <laughs> and children ran towards me with adults sort of getting out cameras like, oh, my God, this is the cutest thing we've ever seen. And all you have to do is sort of wobble and shake hands and pose for photos. And I would do it for hours and I... Would felt, I felt so happy in my heart. Everywhere I went, everyone, <laughs> uh, everywhere I went, I went to get some soup. Everyone turns around, oh, you're here. I shoplifted from the shop. No one stopped me ever. No one ever stopped me because it's the snowman and it's funny. It's funny that the snowman. And so I would be a snowman for sort of seven to eight hours a day and then I'd have to take it off and I'd go on the Jubilee line and sometimes I'd see people that had seen me in there and I'd be like... Oh. <laughs> they, don't, they don't care. And they also wouldn't want to know that was me. No. I would be ruining. Yeah. And so I always think about that. If I could just wear a big costume all the time. I mean, you can do that. <laughs> you don't I, need to go okay. into a chrysalis. You can just go. get the costume on. You take I'll heroin. You. I'll dress up as a big snowman. <laughs> Imagine if you were a snowman and you took heroin at the same time. If no. you were made out of heroin. You don't need that amount of okay. happiness. It's one or the other. <laughs> you either go the wholesome way, which is my way, or the chemical way, okay. which is yours. That's good. That's good. Um, I'm going to ask you this one now. Oh, it's a shame that one never worked out. Um, there was a good one that I thought, but it's not, it's not, it's not good. Tell us someone that's not good then. Um, what tune do you use for the hymn, Oh Jesus, I have promised? I, honestly, it didn't work. What? I didn't understand any of the words. What tune did you, do you, do you know this the hymn, Oh Jesus, I have promised? It turns out no one knows the no, hymn, so okay. that's why it's not a good question. Okay. It's got lots of different, I've got all the lyrics there ready to go, so you can choose a hit a tune. Well, you can sing us out at the yeah, end. I will do. It didn't work. I'm, I'm just disappointed. I was going to do a whole show about Oh Jesus, I have promised, but I did five minutes here, and it, it was, went really badly. <laughs> Oh, if you could be king of any genus of living creatures and have them do your bidding, which animal or creature or type of human can be anything, would you have do your bidding? Okay, it's dogs. Okay. But I would only use my bidding for good. Like, yeah. I don't want to be in charge, but sometimes people still test on dogs, like medical testing. Yeah. And if I was in charge, I'd be able to give them the instructions to free themselves okay. and then avenge all of the animals. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dogs could, you know, the dogs could do some damage if you were able to control them psychically, yeah. which is what I imagine. Yeah, happen. and sometimes also dogs are so loving that they end up in sort of with unhappy, in an unhappy, I don't want to call it an owner, but with an unhappy person who doesn't treat them well enough, and they still love them. <laughs> Whereas if I was king, I'd be like, you could do better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> go, go and find nice. a family who loves you. That is nice. Um, I felt like there was another one I wanted to ask you. I'll ask you this one. Is there a greater philosophical tragedy than the loss of innocence? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I think that the loss of innocence is tragic. Oh. But it's like saying the gaining of knowledge is a tragedy. Yeah, but it's sort of nice when kids just sort of believe in stuff. And but you could, give them a, you could give them heroin. Yeah. <laughs> no, you could give them a lobotomy and you wouldn't go, oh my God, that's so sweet. He's 25, <laughs> he still believes in Father Christmas. He's still putting carrots out for Rudolph. Here's his best friend, it's some cheese on toast. Yeah. You'd be like, you, you, it, it, the loss of innocence makes way for other things. And, and you only get that little period because people are lying to you. I had parents who didn't ever lie to us and at the time I thought it was awful but I now really respect what they didn't do was we didn't ever have a realisation of that wasn't true Yeah, you were doing that 
that was a lie. There's, that's quite a big thing for a child to learn about the world. Mm -hmm. Well, people can just fuck with you. <laughs> Everyone all together. <laughs> Shops are in on it. <laughs> Films are in on it. Famous actors are in on it. Like, that's, there's, a, there's a big lack of... Um, a loss of trust there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, Sorry. No, it's all right. I think it's just a shame when... when it's just they have to learn about the world. It's a shame. Um, I would, you know, I'd like to just keep my son... <laughs> I would like that if he was 40 and didn't know that there was war and stuff. Right. <laughs> and he still believed that he could make, make magic happen oh, with see. a magic wand. Yeah. You're describing the show Derek with Ricky Gervais. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Actually, what you you're want, right. Richard? It would be a terrible nightmare. I didn't, I didn't think of it through. Um, you may have heard Prince George uh, had a go at kids in his school because his dad was the uh -huh. king, and, my, and I once cracked and said my dad was the headmaster. Did you ever um, use the fact that your dad was in Flintlock to intimidate people at your school? Not for intimidation purposes. <laughs> no one had ever heard of Flintlock, <laughs> then, then or now. Um, no, which, which, is, which is fine, but, um, but my dad did, because my dad played the saxophone, still does, he's a saxophonist. When I was at primary school he would come in to play the saxophone for us, which was a really cool thing, yeah. and I was very proud of him. But he hated it because we only ever wanted the Pink Panther theme tune. <laughs> so he would come and he would be like, what do you want? And he would try and suggest other songs, like, it's summertime. And then we were like, Pink Panther again. <laughs> Pink Panther again. <laughs> that's like his snowman, though. He should yeah. be, you know, that's the difference between you and your dad. Your dad, that's you'd, like, that's you'd why happy with the pink pants. Jazz musicians, people don't smile when they come. That's <laughs> <laughs> when they go, oh God, stressing the offbeat again. <laughs> so, look, we talked about Out of a Mind briefly, which was, you know, it was fantastic. It's a shame you're not doing more of those. Or would you think, or do you think it had. I think it was a really good off? life lesson for me, actually. I'm really, really glad I got to make it. And I, and I made it with my friends, which was my fancy at university, was having my best friend in something. Yeah. Her, her husband and his brother are directors. So I, I really, really, really was incredibly lucky to get to make it. There's a, there's a fable, and I can't remember who wrote it. I think it's um, Hans Christian Andersen, but it's called Auntie Toothache, and it's about how um, everyone can make poetry, but sometimes people only have enough poetry for themselves. It's really beautiful, and it's really good for the times where you make something which is really what you want to make, and... It isn't Fleabag. <laughs> like, like, because you can't, you can't decide. If you actually make what you want to make, sometimes it's not for lots of people. It's for a few people. Sure. And you just have to go, it's so great that anyone watched it or anyone liked it. And it's all right. It's okay. <laughs> because, you, because what you can't do is go, what would be more popular? What should I, what should I have made? Because that yeah. was all I was going to make. That was always going to be that show. Right. I mean, it's, you know, I've said this a lot, but it, you know, the, the, the office... When it was first shown, didn't really, no one really yeah. tuned into it. Mm. It sort of took a repeat because the Olympics were cancelled or something. You know, the, the Olympic coverage was cancelled uh, for it to really take off. So everything, you know, that's where things are just, you know, where the, a little yeah. bit of luck. And also, what happens now in. because TV all exists still in places, yeah. people can find things at any time. True. So you don't have a thing of like, okay, well, no one watched it on I, on ITV. It's de it's dead. Yeah. What happens is it exists on the internet. And I might do something and I'm 50, which is really successful, and people find my sitcom. Like, yeah. it exists there. So, and like with books, yeah. that they always exist. It's true, yeah. but the problem is, equally, there's just shit fucking loads of stuff as well. So yeah. it's hard to find. I mean, that's why yeah. I just... I look at TV, you know, TV compared to the 90s when we were making TV, and now, it's just there's so... You know, when, and when yeah. I watched TV in the 80s, when I got into something, if the young, the, the young ones came out, it was the only 
young person's comedy that came out that year, probably, probably even within three or four years. So we were excited about coming out. And now there's people are making shows like that every, mm. you know, more than one a week. Yeah. And you just don't find them. I just sort of think there's, there's sort of dramas that have got, like, loads of series. I like Suits. Oh, yeah. I've never watched Suits. No? Never watched a single moment of Suits, and there's loads of it, isn't there? You just yeah. sort of think, how many people in the world have watched Suits? Pro- I mean, probably quite a lot, but not yeah. that many, really, as well. But, as, that, but as a consumer of TV, it's so fantastic to feel like this greedy hog. <laughs> Every time you're switching, oh, yeah, I've still got that to watch, and we've got that, oh, yeah, that's supposed to be really good. <laughs> like, it's so great to have that feeling rather than, like, we have to put it on. <laughs> oh, look, it's Celebrity Squares. <laughs> it's, it's so great yeah, that it's like, oh, gosh, especially because we have less time now with the baby, just this long list of TV of, like, that's amazing, that's amazing, I've heard that's amazing. Yeah. I really like that there's so much TV. Do you? Yeah. Um, it's, but there isn't much. There isn't much written TV, and you. I mean, you're doing lots of other stuff as well. But it's you know, it's nice to craft something and make something, and you know, it's, yeah. it's really difficult to get something like that off the ground. So it is amazing yes, to get one series is. of anything, and it's really expensive. Yeah. And that's the thing is, there's an algorithm that they know now. They know exactly how many people watch something and, and when they turn it off. So if it isn't popular and doesn't resonate, you can't justify. But I really want to. <laughs> <laughs> Please give me another million pounds. <laughs> So the Great British Sewing Bee. Yeah. I have, this is like Suits. Yeah. Never yeah. There's a lot it. of series and I've never seen any of it. Yeah. It, it doesn't. It's not uh, up my street. I don't think. Maybe it would be if I watched it. Um, I don't know. No. Do you watch any reality TV? A little bit, but I've. What sort... do you watch? I haven't watched anything for a while. What have I watched? I mean, I'd some time. We used to watch The Bake Off, which is yeah. a bit like The Bake Off, right? I think there's a place for TV which is really wholesome. Yeah. That isn't sort of like binge worthy you know you don't like finish an episode and go oh god <laughs> gotta find out what happens yeah. in a clear week <laughs> but it but it's quite sweet and i think sometimes it's really nice for people to have things that are pleasant yeah and that's what i'd say about sewing bee i would never have done it if joe hadn't done it because i had someone to talk to who could actually say they really take care of everyone it's not exploitative they do not want people to cry it's the exact opposite. so i was really reassured and um it's the first time thing. It's the first time I've been involved with anything where like my neighbours have wanted to talk to me right. <laughs> to shout out, "It was a fix." <laughs> I think like for the first time I felt like part of my because it's a BBC One show that lots of people watch, unlike anything else I've ever done. Yeah. And so for the first time, I was like, "Oh, I really understand now what being on TV TV means rather than on comedy TV, which means no one knows who you are." Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We had uh, Joe on talking about it, and he brought Esme along, and they've been out drinking. Oh, yeah. All day. So I've met, I've met Esme. <laughs> I don't know if people remember that episode. <laughs> These was guys. She, so was, she, was she in the audience? Yeah, she was in the audience. I've heard about this from her. But she's had an amazing life. She's got, she's, she's got all of the stories. Yeah. She's met everyone. Yeah, yeah an incredible person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we must get her on sober. You should do. Time. She's got a book out. She, she should be a great guest. Yeah. yeah. And do you feel, because, you know, you're doing, I mean, you're, you, you are keeping things very varied and I'm, Really glad you're still doing stand up because it would be so easy to not bother doing. Because stand up's like no, it wouldn't. Harder it's, to, no, no, it's, no, it it's the opposite. Yeah. I, I honestly, stand up's my pudding. Right. And and if I had to skip the main meal, I'd just do. I just eat. Yeah. Blamange. <laughs> <laughs> I love stand up's the thing. Stand up is the thing, and that's the thing I hope I am doing till I die. Yeah. I hope I die on the way home from a gig. I hope I die on the way home from a new material gig when I've just had like a bit work that I think, oh, I can extend that and I can't believe it. And I just made up that line. If, if I could bottle that feeling yeah. of vulnerability, oh, 
I'm trying a thing. I don't know if it's going to work. And then, yeah, it has worked, human connection. And just flying home, scribbling in my pad. Do you find the TV... Because, I, there's, I mean, you're in a lot of things. You're not in as much as some people are. There's some, there's some comedians, I think, how the hell do you manage to do all... I can work yeah. out how you do all this stuff, yeah. but only just. Yeah. But some think, how the hell do you manage to do all that stuff? Do, right. can, can the TV stuff be a distraction away... From it, or is it, or does it give you the freedom? I think, I think to... people just work very, very hard, and I think it's yeah. really hard to turn down money, even when you think, well, I think, how much money do you need? Yeah, I think for some people, you don't ever reach a point where you go, well, that's enough money. Yeah, and, and again, it's like anything, like you with the morphine, it's addictive. <laughs> <laughs> you get a feeling when you get paid a lot of money to do a thing. The money you get paid to do stuff goes up. The more stuff you do, you are getting a bigger and a bigger hit of a drug. Yeah. And, then, and it's easy when it's not happening to you to look at other people going, well, that's another kind of addict. It's a workaholic. Yeah. And then you say things to them like... You say things to them in their big house like, <laughs> <laughs> but are you happy? <laughs> and they go, yeah. <laughs> but if they really get ha- time really, to be in their really big happy. house, that's no, the, you but, buy but, a big house and then you're never in it. But working hard is also really satisfying. Yeah. Being tired from your work, really enjoying your day off because you've worked so hard, that's a, a common human experience. And it's the same people who really love their jobs and then get offered... There are people who work probably much harder on the circuit, but you don't see them on everything. Yeah. So you're maybe not as aware. Oh, that's someone who's also addicted to... Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Good a job, job where you do need to be work. You know, I mean, I, I do a lot of stuff as well. Most of it, I, I can't really classify as work because I don't even get paid for quite a lot of it. But, uh, but you know, you, you you do have to keep on. You know, that's the way to success. Really, is to keep to have the talent, but keep on. Pushing well, that's yourself. where the fear comes in because there are. This is the thing about to go back to my mountain analogy because the fear is, you know, like with capitalism, like if it doesn't keep growing it suddenly implodes. Yeah. It does feel like that with careers. If you're not moving to bigger rooms, different audiences, maybe that's other countries, Europe, America, tours getting bigger. If you're not expanding, you feel like you're just 12 months from can't fill a 200-seater, everyone's forgotten. If you No longer relevant, comedy moved on. We don't like what you do anymore. And I think that fear is alive in a lot of people because we also know people that did happen to. Yeah. Once you're over that, though, and you're through that, it's OK. <laughs> Once you've accepted it, it's all right. I never got to the point where I was above that, though, so yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all right. Do you remember when some comics, and they were brilliant comics, by the way, but they, they crowdfunded Dead at the Apollo? Oh, yes. No, I was, I was, yeah, I was, I was involved in it, and I got cut out of it. The, 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 <laughs> I had to go to fucking... It was, we had to go to Scotland to do it. And, this is the uh, saddest story I've ever heard. <laughs> you were cut from Dead at the I Apollo. Cut, I was cut from it. With John Maloney and everyone. Yeah, yeah. so it's a brilliant comics. And the idea was, Life at the Apollo is chasing newness, which it is. (laughs) Newness, youngness, right at the cutting edge of what stand-up is. And it's introducing an audience rather than showing them someone they already love. And that's hard for some of the people who've been around for a very long time, who are doing very high-caliber, high-quality comedy, going, why isn't there space for all of us? So dead at the Apollo. And it's odd to watch that going, I know I'm... I'm a couple of years away from that. I'm, 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 you know, I started stand-up in my 20s. I'm now in my 40s. I'm about to become the person who's going, who books that? Why, what's, what happened to me? I'm still good at my gigs. I'm still yeah. writing new stuff. What's happened? Yeah. You watch it happen to other people, and there is part of you that goes, okay, it's really hard work, but I should do this now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it goes far. You know, I think that's the thing. The last 15 years, 
I was, you know, when I was 40, feels like not that long ago, but that's 15 years ago. Yeah. And then another 15 years, I'm 70. So then you go, okay, fuck, yeah. life's that's really short. Yeah, that's just a couple of injections. Why am I wanting to travel in time? It's time travel, I'm 70. <laughs> <laughs> quite nice to do that, though, wouldn't it? It'd be quite nice to take 15 years off. Then just come and the kids are all grown up. It's all sorted out. They don't know who you are. They don't know who I am. They're slightly screwed up by the fact that their dad decided to sleep rather than look after them. They've got a new dad now. Someone who wasn't cut from dead at the Apollo. <laughs> I did learn, there's the same producer. I did, I did went to Scotland about three different things and he cut me out of every single one. That, that's, a, that's very interesting because it sounds like they're doing... At that purpose. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So let's make him come to Scotland. No, first of all, you get the, like, the, oh, they want me for something. <laughs> no, we don't. It's like lifting you up to punish you. I yeah. think with, with that show, you had to pay £2,000 to be in it. So that You're just how, making that it more was, depressing. Was how they, <laughs> I didn't think it could get more depressing. They, um, they, they covered the fees originally, and I've never... And then they said, if it makes money back, we'll pay you all back. Oh, bless. So everyone on it paid their own money that they yeah. earned from gigs. Yeah. I thought it was a good idea, so I... I, I think I was, it is a good I, idea. I, I and I think the whole discussion... Because the other thing is, when you talk to people who watch TV, sometimes they're absolutely... All they will t- talk to you about is James Acaster, Maisie Adam, you know, Desiree Birch. They have... They, they do love new comedy. And you have yeah. other people who go, where's our comedy? Yeah. There is a place for everyone. There should be a place for everyone. Younger people can use the internet better. They can do their YouTube specials. There's lots of ways of them finding an audience. But the older people who don't use the internet, they're not going to go, oh, I can buy a John Maloney's DVD for £5 yeah. and stream it. So I do think that there should be more. And then, and the same with the right-wing thing, actually. If there was more representation of right-wing comedians, then there wouldn't be this whole thing about, oh, all comedians are left-wing quite as much. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And t- nobody, no, you know, TV. I think TV hasn't accepted that it's that young people aren't going to get into it. You're never going to change their mind. They keep making the program shorter, thinking yeah. maybe they'll just accidentally <laughs> think it's a TikTok. <laughs> if we if we make it eight minutes long, they might not even know. <laughs> so they should be making lots of stuff for older people, and certainly, like I think, again, in the male female divide is uh, there's a lot of older male people. Is that right? Yeah, that men, older male called, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, a lot of older men. Uh, call still, them, call still them male work. identifying. They'll hate <laughs> okay, that. That's, just, that. that's why I have to do that. Male, uh, yeah. Was um, it masculine presenting? Yeah. <laughs> but it's hard. It's harder for acting and for and for everything really. You know, presenting. It's 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 more difficult, I think, for for women to have a long career in that way, or that things are still skewed towards younger women. In oh, that I see. Way. I think that is slightly improving as well. Yeah. I think people are getting used to the fact that women start looking terrible, and that's fine. <laughs> we can get over that, can't we? I'm calling it my sea witch years. You just lean into it. You don't get Botox. You've had a lovely face for ages. Now it's payback time. It's nice to, you know, it is nice to accept the, the awful ageing process uh, and the terrible things it does to you, and then the blessed release of death. <laughs> no, I do think I think the release is to come is you don't have to fight it. You, yeah. you don't have to fight it. That's an that's an idea from people who want to sell you stuff. They need you to feel quite bad. You don't need to feel bad. You, you look bad. Yeah, fine. And then you get on with your day. Doesn't matter how ugly you start. It just gets worse. And that's liberating. Honestly, when you stop fighting it, there's freedom. There is. It's still hard to accept, though. I still. 
you know, I would, I, you know, I'm, I'm very glad to be sort of out of the game in terms of being attractive and everything, but there's still a part of you that would think, just nicely. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to. I'm very happily married. Yeah. I don't want to do anything. Yeah. I just want some 25 year old women to say they want to have sex with me, and I go, sorry, darling, I can't do it. <laughs> Well, you're not can't. thinking about how sad that is for the 25-year-old. <laughs> I know, but... On so many levels. <laughs> they just have to say it. They don't have to mean it. Not only does she want you, she's rejecting you. <laughs> yeah. It's we... hard to cope with... It's hard. It's, it, it's, it's a re... I think this is why a lot of middle-aged men go insane yeah. and turn into the kind of... We were talking about mm. sort of crazy guys before the, we came on stage. Uh, either we can't go, go a bit right-wing or go a bit conspiracy theory mad. Mm. If men... I'm so used to having an element of power and, yeah. and you know, but I think the, privilege. The, the thing with men is that there was a lie that we told them for ages, and it is women's fault, because we did lie, because you used to have all the money. <laughs> and so we told men they didn't age badly, <laughs> which isn't true. Yeah, look much worse than women because you're so dehydrated <laughs> and you, your bums get very flat and, then, <laughs> and so i just think men should be squatting yeah um yeah it is it's sad for men it's sad for men because actually here's the problem with equality you ended up people who slightly even if they weren't at the top of the male pecking order still had more than your average woman and they don't anymore yeah in a lot of cases and that is the money was sort of equated with powers yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's a difficult. So I think if you're not, if you, if, if those things were all that mattered to you in your younger days, it's hard to accept the changes, I think. Yeah. It's hard if you used to have something and you lose it, which is why I think it's liberating to go, I don't have it anymore. What are we thinking about? Yeah. Yeah. This is liberating, but it's also sad. No, you're, li- you're not, you're, ho- you're holding on still. That's why, Richard, you're, your little fingers around it going, <laughs> I can just, I can just wish, I can just. Use a special Instagram filter. <laughs> <laughs> what I want is an anaesthetic that sends you backwards in time. That's what I want. That you wake backwards up and you're in ten time. years younger. How about yeah. that? There must be that. They'll okay. have that soon. So ten years younger, which yeah. means you've undone the last ten years of your life. Yeah. So no kids. And so are you going to do it the time quake way, like yeah. Kurt Vonnegut's time quake, which is that you have to relive the next ten years, but you can't change anything? No, I don't want to do that. Or you're going to change things, and stuff's going to be really different. Yeah, I want to change everything. <laughs> Because it'd be interesting. With the see, the interesting thing about having kids is you realise how many kids, all the different, all the different kids you could have had in your life. I think, especially as a yeah. well, either I'm not going to say especially as a woman, but it's it's true of every every you know, even with the same person, yeah. a different sperm would be a different person. So that's yeah. billions of different people straight away. Even if you're just being monogamous, yeah. But if you're not being monogamous, you know, the the world is your oyster <laughs> in terms of all the people that didn't exist. Yeah. And so it's really weird to think how how much you're attached to your kids. And yet they could have been anyone else. And you'd be attached to them. You would be equally attached to them. So you're playing this game where you unexist your own kids. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> for you your own de- amusement. You can definitely never get them back. You couldn't, there's no, you no way you'd ever get them back you again. You won't. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to do that. Because <laughs> I'd just like the new, I'd create, the, I'd bring some new people into, if you could go back 10 years every time and give everyone 10 years of life. Yeah. And then I would stay being 40. Let's say 20 years back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd regret it as soon as you did it. That's the thing. You'd regret it as soon as you did it. I think that having had such a long journey towards having a child, it does that thing where you then reverse engineer the narrative to go, all of the hard times, all of the broken hearts, everything was because you had to exist. Yeah. And it's such a wonderful feeling to have a baby going, you know, I was with someone before and I thought that was my person and then met somebody else when I thought my whole life was over. 
and he wouldn't exist otherwise. And my husband had had a previous relationship. He was married right. and then separated. And his ex-wife also has a baby. It's like there's people in the world yeah. that because we had heartbreaks and misery and thought, that's it for me, I'll never, I'll just concentrate on my job. They wouldn't be in the world at all. The exact opposite to what you're saying. But... <laughs> but they, you have to go through all of it. Yeah, but, it, but also the time of when you meet someone and the different people you could have been with, yeah. you know, it's just as much as you fall in love with someone, that's great. It could be just a different... Weird, if you went back ten years, it would be a different person. Maybe for you. <laughs> 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 Just because everything has to balance, everything yeah, has, right. the, the windows, windows have to match up. You've they? just pitched me the film Sliding Doors. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Right, I've suddenly realised I am pitching you something else. So I'm trying to think about right. Which I'm, I am sort of obsessed with Sliding Doors, but only because it's bad and wrong, oh, okay. and I want to do it properly. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Which is that everything? That, you know, if you change one thing, everything changes. Everything changes. Yeah. yeah. And also, it wasn't the sliding door. It was the girl with the doll. <laughs> got in a way or didn't get in a way. That's what the film should be called. It should be called. It should be go. This is a real girl with a doll on the steps of a tube platform situation. That's what we should be saying. That is getting in your way or not getting in your way. Yeah. Watch the film. I mean, don't watch the film. <laughs> Every time I think about it, I think and I was just. I, I like where they're just obsessed with Grosh. In that film, have you noticed that they just everyone's they talk? Do you want a grosh? They, they say all the way Do through. They? It dates it so much, <laughs> but also they obviously either had a load of grosh or a deal with grosh, yeah. or just thought if we 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 really cool if everyone's drinking grosh. So yeah. at the bar, do you want a grosh? Yeah, I'll drink a grosh. I bet I bet the writer was like, "This is gonna make me look really cool." <laughs> <laughs> Everyone be watching this at the cinema, going, "Oh, that guy really knows the names of beers." <laughs> Bros used to take the tops of Grosh and tie them into the laces of their shoes. Remember that? You remember, Lou? Don't you? <laughs> this audience hates remembering. This <laughs> Stop asking. And rightly them. so. They yeah. do oh my goodness, we've done so. We've done so long. Sorry. It's been no. Don't be so apologise. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for coming. I'm just so aware you've talked so much about turning the time back. I really feel guilty for taking up so much of yours. There's people who fell asleep during this and have woken up an hour in the future, and they don't know what they've missed. Um, So the tour is coming up. Is it going all the way through next year as well? Is it? Yeah, it's it's from 10th of November. I start in Hayes, and it goes through to May of next year. Fantastic. Yeah. And will you be going back to the Edinburgh Fringe at all, or is that? your radar. I don't know. I feel so odd about Edinburgh. We don't have time. I feel so odd about Edinburgh. I would love I'd love to go as a an audience member, as in I loved the best thing is seeing lots of shows, what everyone's been working on all year. But it's like a safari where people are now quite rude. Yeah. And um and it doesn't happen anywhere else. In the rest of the year no one cares who you are, but up there they're there to meet a comic or take a picture of a comic or steal their comic's wallet. And um I don't like it. No. I don't like that element of it. I feel very yeah, shy up there. A lot. I don't, I don't, yeah, let's talk about that next time you come yeah. on. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, it's good. We just, it's a big subject. Um, and you're doing more B, spe, spe, uh, sewing B, and he said spelling. Do spelling B as well. You're doing more sewing B. <laughs> sewing you're doing more B. guessable. Yeah. Wow, that's very good. Yeah. Are you doing more comedians doing lectures? No, I don't know. Uh, well, I'm about to find out. I don't okay. know. All right. But when they take ages, you just think, now. Nah. Okay. Yeah. You've got enough jobs. Um, I, I do have enough jobs. You yeah. have enough jobs. Are you doing, go around the world doing jobs? Any more of that? Yeah, one? just did three, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's good. She works very hard. I did a documentary. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please give a massive round of applause to Mary Sarah Pascoe! Thank you very much. Stay around. We'll be coming back next week. 
You have been listening to Rahalastaba with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Sarah Pasco. Thank you to Scant Regard for playing this music for us. I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. I'm indebted to Chris Evans, not that one, and all of the Go Faster Stripe and Sky Potato team. Thank you very much to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre for having us. They are lovely. Uh, thank you very much to Kathleen McKeegan for her fantastic website, Rahalastaba, Rahalastaba.com, which is very good if you need to research what guests have said before on Rahalastaba. Mainly for me, I suppose. Uh, this is a Sky Potato Fuzz and GoFasterStripe.com production. Thank you very much. Join ACAS Plus. Buy my book. Can I have my ball back at all good bookshops and internet shops now? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Thanks for listening. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. GoFasterStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words. And um, would love to see you on the, on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye.